This is the last Sunday of 2020. It's, it's weird to think about. There are times this year we, I genuinely thought, I'm not sure this year will ever end. <laughs> I'm sure most people have had some similar thought at some point. It has been a, it's been one for the for the books, as they say. Um, and I wanted to go to actually the closing of one of Paul's letters this morning, the Book of Philippians to talk about peace, peace in God. The the need for stability, the need for normalcy is one of the most universal things that people share. Just that, and and it can look, you know, different. Some people, the norm that they want is to to be at home and have nobody bother them. Other people, the normal they want is to be able to, to travel, go places, do things, eat out, shop, visit with, you know, be, be active without restrictions. And that's been something this year, obviously, that's changed. But whatever your version of normal is, everybody likes that, that feeling of, of stability, of, uh, kind of having some sense of what's gonna happen next. Um, now we all know that doesn't actually exist in the world, but, we like to get as close as we can. Um, and in uh, Philippians 4, Paul is closing out his letter talking about the, the ideas of peace and contentment. Um, I'm going to read the first seven verses, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So this is Philippians 4, 1 through 7. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and longed for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat... Eudonia, and I entreat Cynthia to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul did not have the most stable life. He was somebody who could very readily talk about instability. Uh, he was shipwrecked multiple times. He was arrested and beaten multiple times. He was left for dead at least once. Uh, he spent a great deal of time in prison and eventually died in a Roman prison. He was writing this letter from house arrest. Uh, I don't think that... Um, anybody question that Paul wasn't an authority on dealing with adversity. And just that is such an important backdrop to understand. When he writes about these things, he's not writing from a, uh, a cushy room where everything's gone wonderfully. He really does understand what he's saying here. The, the, the joy and peace that comes only from God is something that is not tied to our circumstances. And that, that's 
something that, that Paul hits it in multiple points in different letters, but this is definitely a great example of him. He had a deep, unshakable stability and peace because he understood that peace is not about circumstances, that peace is not about a, a method or a process to manage your life. Peace is about the proper perspective, the proper understanding of who God is. A, uh, a very dear pastor to me down in California uh, put it this way. He said, peace is a matter of bringing big truth into small places. Paul was able to bring that big truth of who Jesus is to bear in even the smallest areas of his life. Now again, I want to talk about, you look at the world and there is, how many books have been written? How many seminars have been given? How many uh, ideas have been spread about here is the formula. If, if, if you are struggling with anxiety or a lack of, of peace or of joy, that, well, here's, here's the program you need to follow. Here's the medication you need to take. Here's the structure that you should introduce in your life. You should, let's, let's look at your schedule. Let's look at, uh, the different things in your life. Let's look at, uh, how much sleep you're getting. I mean, there's, there's this list of things and it's all about managing as though if you can just do it well enough, you'll be able to solve your problem and step into this, 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 this wonderful, peaceful life. That is absolutely not true. Now, there's nothing, uh, I'm not saying that there isn't an element of managing your life well and, and, and taking care of your body. There are definitely factors in those areas that can and do influence how you feel the the health of, of, of yourself mentally and physically. But if you miss the common root foundation of what true peace is, you're going to wonder why, no matter what you do or how hard you try, you never actually arrive there. And that's because you've missed the first most important step. And, and unless you get that right, all the other small things afterwards are going to fall short constantly. The, that the truth of God, who he is, what he's done, how that impacts our life must come first. You know, to be, this book opens with one of those key words called therefore. Um, so everything Paul said is referencing back. And he's referencing uh, multiple things uh, he said earlier in this book. Because you can keep in mind, people, that uh, there were no chapter breaks or uh, verses when Paul wrote. Those were um, were put in later as reference points so that we could easily uh, find and reference things in the Bible. But Paul's just writing a letter. And... Uh, In verse 20 and 21 of chapter 3, just a few verses before what I just read, Paul says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. That is, ultimately, the, the, the entire Bible is about the truth of who Jesus is, 
and where we really are, are where we're, where we're going to be spending our our existence for the most part. That. It's it's almost hard to put into words because it, it it's it's mind boggling, right? The, the 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 truth of existence when you really well that it is almost overwhelming for me. Every time I, I go into this subject, I always am just struck with, wow, because it's so easy to get caught up in the the the, the little nitty gritty details of just existence of. You know, I've got bills to pay. I've got my, you know, I've got to do a good job at work. I've got to be a good dad. I've got to try to be a good husband. I've got to make sure I'm, I'm taking care of all the stuff and, you know, all the, all the running around and, and, and busy work of, of life. It's, it's so all encompassing. It, it, it takes up the majority of our mind share and you just get like, this is life. This is exist. My existence is a list. It's, it's my job. It's my family. It, it's my church. It's my friends. It's, you know, my hobbies. It's all these things and collectively, they're my existence. It's not true, guys. None of those things are bad. They all contribute to who you are for sure. But they're just pieces. The foundational truth of who I am as a son of God has to come first. And, and, and if you skip that and you go right to all the, all the stuff, you're gonna just be chasing your tail and wondering why you never, you never caught it. <laughs> this just can't be missed, and this is something that I think so easily. You, you know, you, you think through this like, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. it. It's an intellectual kind of check mark of like, yep, I'm saved, believe in God, going to heaven one day. Now we get back to all the things that actually uh, make up most of my time down here. And I'm not saying that the majority of your energy and time down on earth shouldn't and, and won't be spent on those lists of things. But they all need to go through and be processed through this, this fundamental filter, so to speak, of the correct perspective of God is real. He loves me. He saved me. I, I'm going to be with him forever. And everything else has to go through that. It, it, that can't just be a separate thing. A, a separate checkbox that, yep, th- that's true, and then all this stuff. No, it's that's true, and this stuff flows out of that. And the way that I approach every other aspect of my life, all those little details have to be informed by and and filtered through the ultimate truth of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that can't just be an intellectual one. And to be fair, it can't also just be an emotional one. It has to be both. It's, you know, I, full disclosure, I'm, I'm more of a, an intellectual theological thinker. I, uh, talk to anybody who, who's close friends with me and I, I tend to process things a little bit more cerebrally, if that makes sense. I, I tend to think of, of, uh, the Bible through, um, language and, and history and, okay, those are really interesting ideas and, and I, it makes a lot of sense to me and, and I, I struggle. With that, that really heart deep emotional connection to God. And I know other people, pick on my, my wonderful wife Jen, who is kind of the opposite. And she, you know, she loves God with, with this like purity and, and I want to say simplicity, not in any bad way, but, but just this, this wholeheartedness that I struggle with. Where I just, I just look at, at her heart just goes out and, and the way that, that she, she loves God and loves other people through that. And I, 
I envy it, honestly. Um, I, I believe it, and I, I, I work hard to, to make sure that that part of my, uh, my walk is engaged, but it doesn't come as naturally for me. And everybody can be, you know, one or the other or, or some kind of mixture, but it's, both are important. A, a heartfelt, real relationship with God is so important. And at the same time, it can't just be a simple, I love God, yay, and let's keep going. It, you have to, if you love God, you will study and, and you will learn about him. You, you will in, endeavor to, to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who he is and what he's done and the implications of all that and, and how it should inform all of your life. Both of those growing, both of those working together, the the theology, the the, the hard intellectual, the, the, the meaty parts of scripture, they matter a lot. And that simple foundational responding out of love to God matters also. You, you can't leave one or the other uh, behind and and coast on just the one. The you you will come up short and you'll be wondering why because. Emotions can't answer all the questions, and thought can't make you love. That's why it's a continual process. It's not something that you just we don't we don't get saved and then we're done. We get saved and we begin. That we spend our entire lives working towards deepening both our love for God and our understanding. And knowledge of God. That's why he gave us the Bible. That, that's why he, he revealed himself through scripture. And at the same time, through the Holy Spirit, is constantly revealing himself to our, to our hearts in, in a very real and personal way. Just don't lose sight of that, guys. No matter where you fall on that spectrum, whether you lean more towards one or the other, uh, to pursue both and to, and to value both and to not dismiss Somebody who might be a little bit different to to see to see that uh, that difference as as a chance to observe and to grow in the area that you might be weaker in. Um, so the taking those those into account as Paul moves forward, he actually gives us a uh, a quick little insight into um, what he's discussing here. Now keep in mind he's writing to a church he was at. In, in Philippi, this wasn't just a vague letter kind of sent out into the void. He's writing to people he knows. He was at this church for, for a long time. He, he, he loves these people. He's writing to, to human beings. Uh, this isn't a, an intellectual exercise that was done. The Bible was written to real people and by real people. It was inspired, absolutely. But Paul addresses these two women in, uh, in Philippi. And we don't know what their conflict was. We don't know what was going on. But he encourages them to to agree to to settle their difference. To um, uh, he says, you know, I I also ask you to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. He he doesn't give us the details of of what was going on, but again, he's encouraging people to to filter what whatever happened through through God. Because what happened, what he says immediately afterwards speaks to this. It, it's not as though he, he makes a little side note of these women, and then, it, you know, verse 4, which is a famous verse. It's, I mean, there's a worship song entirely about it. And we, we tend to separate these things. But no, he's, one is referencing the other. His, his advice is what he says 
in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7, and, and through the rest of the, rest of the, uh, the book. He's saying, Re- rejoice to, to, to be thankful. I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but <laughs> again, he doesn't address a conflict with, well, here's how you resolve a problem. Here's, here's the method. Here's the, uh, the program you should follow. He, he, he doesn't uh, start writing a self-help book with a, a list of processes. He immediately goes to and references back to Jesus and our citizenship and our and the perspective of who we are in, in Jesus. And he he wants to make sure we understand that these small little things that we deal with pale in the light of who God is. The we want to be careful because, especially in, in, not especially, but in a church, we're just as prone to conflicts as anybody else, right? The, um, I, I've never been in a church where you didn't have, uh, groups of people who, who were friends and people who felt left out. The person that's alone in the back, the, the group that's very tight, that's been there forever, um, there's little disagreements over theology or worship style or, you know, politics. That's a fun one. Uh, or, you know how um, uh, which country to go to for a missions uh, trip. There's all kinds of of human interactions that that, that can potentially cause disagreements or, or conflicts in a church. The church is not immune from that. Just like the rest of the world isn't immune from obviously having a lot of conflicts about pretty much anything you can imagine. But we are never supposed to allow the the small things that, that we bring into our walk as people and with each other to eclipse the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And, and we do it all the time without realizing it, where, where we get so caught up in, 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 in our, 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 our little stuff that we lose sight of, of, of that truth. And, and we don't let it inform that, where we, we, we have it off to the side of, if you ask us, we're like, yeah, of course. It's like, are you, are you letting the truth of, of who God is and who you are in him inform and motivate how you're dealing with this problem, how you're dealing with this conflict, how you're dealing with this, with this disagreement, or even simply how you're dealing with your opinions. Are your, are your thoughts, are your opinions being filtered through Jesus? It is, it is hard sometimes to, to separate our, our, our cultural ideas or the, the, the things that, that popular culture, and this is something that's like, talk about a moving target. Uh, a couple years ago, things that were like, nope, we, this is, this is the way we're all doing. And now it's like, never mind, we're, we're doing it this way now. Uh, there's a whole laundry list of, of things that fall into that category, but just that, that moving target of what culture says is the way to act, the way to behave, what's right, what's wrong, what's popular, the, the way that you should dress, the kind of music you should play, morality. What is, Acceptable. What is sinful? What is now a big deal if you didn't do it versus nobody was thinking about it before? All of that is, is, is noise because God hasn't changed what's right or wrong. He hasn't changed what is to be the guiding principles of our lives ever. It's not something that shifts with what 
the, the news channel is saying or, 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 or some influencer or, or, or public speaker or politician or, or author that those, they might be interesting in a, I haven't looked at it in that perspective or there might be some value in, in those kind of smaller processes, a new idea of this technology implements this way and now we can do something a little bit different. But those are all small details. The, the core principles of what is right, what is wrong, and the reality of this is a fallen world that desperately needs Jesus, that's never changed. Your worldview. Um, Pastor Rick was talking uh, just a few weeks ago about truth. And uh, when Jesus is, is talking to, uh, to Pilate uh, right before he was crucified and, and talks about that his whole purpose was truth. And people who are of him are of truth. That hasn't changed, and, and that is such a, a, a core thing that gets lost in, in, in the noise of shifting opinions. Whether it's something small in our church or something larger in culture, it, it doesn't matter. Um, it takes a vigilant, constant effort to fight this, guys, because... If you let yourself relax and kind of catch yourself, start shifting with the cultural tides of, no, this is, you know, I used to think that was a big deal, but there's so many people doing it now that it it just doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. You know, it's, yeah, I'll let that, let that slide or, and, and not that there, there, there is plenty of room for differences in opinion about certain things. I mean, if, 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 you, if you want to, if you genuinely want to, uh, I'll use worship as a fun example, because if you genuinely are like, I, I, I love hymns, I, I love hymns, I, I just want to, uh, to, to hear voices and a, and a simple instrument, and, and, and that's just how I, I love to worship God, and I, my, my heart's moved. If, if that's your, your genuine uh, love and conviction, then absolutely, you can do that. If, if you love a full band and you just, the, the, the energy of, 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 of music and, and, uh, and lyrics of just more of a, a modern setting, it, given in both situations, hymns and, and modern music, that, that the, uh, what you are singing is theologically sound and directed towards God and not towards showmanship, there's room for, for, for differences there. There's room for different opinions there and different preferences. That's not what I'm talking about. When we start getting into hard, moral, black and white areas, those have never changed. And despite what the world says, where it's just a matter of public opinion, if enough people think this way, it now is right, and nobody gets to tell me what my truth is because I've decided for myself what's true to me. No, that's not how it works, guys. And whether you believe in God or not, it actually doesn't matter because God is so much bigger than the individual who's who's trying to convince you that that his truth is 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 true for him in an objective way. That, that that's that's baloney, guys. It's it sounds really good because it lets you uh, do what you want to do. It, it, it's all about just permissions to to live the way that you want to, but that's not what what God calls us to. And that's and Paul says very emphatically how that is not the way the world works in the light of the truth of God. The um So how do, how do we do this? How do we apply 
the, the truth of God in that big way into all the little parts of our life. Well, Paul, Paul gives us some, some <laughs> almost commands, I would say. He, he, he doesn't say, well, here's some ideas that you might want to try. No, he just states it. And he uses some words that don't leave a lot of room for uh, interpretation or, or wiggle room as far as doing it in a different way. These go against every grain of wisdom that the, the world wants to throw out. In, in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He repeats himself. And he uses a hard word. He used the word always. There's not a lot of room there, guys, to, to interject. Well, in this situation... It's understandable not to. In, in this situation, uh, you know that that was was re- re- really hard. You know that's that's a. I don't blame you for, for not. Now there can be understandings for our weaknesses. I'm not trying to say that that doesn't count, but those are what those always are. Our weaknesses. They're not to be embraced. They're to be identified and worked against. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is the last Sunday of the year 2020. There's been. I mean, COVID this year, uh, political unrest this year, uh, racial unrest, there's been um, economic unrest. I mean, this has been a a turbulent year would would be an understatement. Um, People like to say unprecedented. If you understand history at all, that is not true. Uh, Just read through a history book, and there's been a few rough years in the history of humanity, uh, and this one doesn't even make the top ten. But... This is still the year we're living in right now. And it's it's both important to understand, again, perspective. Perspective is everything, guys. It's important to understand the perspective of history that this year has had its challenges, but humanity has gotten through some pretty hard stuff. And at the same time, acknowledging that right now, there are some hard things going on, that we are looking at some severe problems in, in, in our economy, depending on... on I'm not even going to get into the these, but I'll just say whether you're rejoicing or whether you are just disheartened beyond belief at, at the election results, it, it's still a turbulent year there. If you are, uh, out of work, if, if you, uh, there are several people in this church who have lost somebody this year, either directly or indirectly to, to COVID. It, it is real, guys. And in the midst of all of that, Paul, and again, keep in mind, Paul's circumstances, he's writing this from prison. In the first century, I don't know how many of you are totally up to date on the first century church, but it wasn't exactly a chill time for the church, where they were just going through their, their routine, and they were, they were uh, celebrated. And, and No, no, it was an intense time of persecution. They were not the most popular people around. It was also a time where economically, and uh, for the life of the average person, much, much harder even in the face of restrictions and other things happening these days, the average person in this time in history had a much harder life than we do now. So I hope nobody can say here or, or, or try to convince themselves that, well, Paul was speaking, people he was speaking to, this would have been fine, but he wouldn't understand, man. It's been rough. I, I can't be rejoiceful right now. No. When it's hard, when, when, when things are, are bad, is the more important, the, the worse things get, the more vital these things that Paul's about to say become. 
He wants us to find the, the, the gladness, to, to express it, to, to look at, at who Jesus is and the salvation that, that He's gifted us with and be more aware of it and be more uh, joyful of it and thankful for it than ever before. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because we get mired down in, in our circumstances and, it, and it's easy to, we don't get to, you know, Jesus isn't sitting here giving us a physical pat on the back telling us it's going to be okay. I've, I've got you. I, I know things seem rough right now. But he is still here. In, in Peter, First uh, Peter 1.8, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Not he, Him not being here doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Uh, it, it does make it harder on a, on a practical level, but again, that's where we don't just sit back and coast on a shallow, easy relationship with Jesus. We pursue him, because the more we pursue him, the more he will draw near to us. If we're feeling distant from, distant from God, it's not because he's left. It's because we have. And he is there waiting for us to continue to come back to him. The uh, <laughs> There's a guy named uh, Karl Barth who said, Always joy, always rejoicing, is an act of defiance. It goes against the grain of what our broken feelings are telling us about how we should act when we're hurt. Think about it, guys. The, Jesus is, is calling us to, to act in, in direct contradiction to what our, what our fallen nature and what the world is telling us, where when our circumstances are, are pulling us down and things are looking grim, the world's like, yeah, it really is bad. You, sh- you, you should just, you should really just un- un- understand and just almost like, like reveling. And, and our own flesh is doing the same thing of just like, no, I'm, I'm, this is bad. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. And I just want to sit in this. No, it is the, the opposite is, is what Jesus is calling us to do. That that's not where we just, where, where we, we, we call on God even harder and, and, and we push ourselves even harder to, to praise Him and rejoice in His truth. And He will meet us there. That is a promise. Uh, he goes on in the verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The... The perspective again and, and the truth that... that we are getting closer to the end, not further away. I mean, Paul wrote to the first century church about, like, be ready. God's coming back any day. Now, it's been almost 2,000 years, but that truth hasn't changed. That we don't know when. It could be right now. It, it, it could be years from now. I, I don't know. But, again, that perspective of we know the end of the story, guys. And, and whether, because here, here's, here's the reality. Change is is just just a part of life. The um, as as much as we like stability, like I was talking at the beginning, and and uh, knowing what's coming next, that's not how it works. Change happens. People get sick, and I know this is a hard thing to talk about this year. But people get sick. People do die. People move on. Things decay and fall apart. Uh, entropy is a thing. 
But that's not the end of the story for people who are followers of Jesus. Our citizenship, again, in heaven is the end of the story. Our eternal future with Jesus is the end of the story. And there's... um, I like the idea of, for Christians, when somebody passes away, that it's, as much as it's sad, of course it's sad, you miss the presence of that person, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it's almost a celebration of, he's home, or she's home. That this isn't the end, this is just a step. And as hard as that is sometimes to to live in, to to really own as a truth. The fact that it's difficult doesn't mean that we abandon the idea, that we don't even try. Again, guys, I just, I, I, I feel so strongly about this. And I just, studying for this yesterday and, and earlier this week, just kept convicting myself. I'm not coming to you as somebody who does this perfectly, not even close. It is hard to to keep that that attitude and that perspective alive and thriving in, in, in the face of just the overwhelming amount of stress and tribulation that this last year ha- has brought. You just, you just want it to be over. You're like, can we please get back to normal? I mean, how many times has a version of that conversation happened this year? Just, I can't wait. I can't wait for, for things to get back to normal, where, where we can just, where, and who knows? I have no idea if things will ever get back to, when I say normal, the things that, the way things were last year, I don't know. But we all long for that, right? But that's the thing is, is that that's not a guarantee. There is no, that's not promised to anybody. Um, I, I forget who originally said this, but the idea that tomorrow is promised to nobody. That doesn't exist. That promise does not exist in the Bible anywhere. Now, if you believe in Jesus, forever with him is promised, but not tomorrow as you've known it right now. Or even as, as you knew it, in whatever time in your memory, things were ideal. But that, that's, that's, again, that's where this perspective is so important, guys. Because what you have to look forward to and what God has promised and waiting for you is better than anything you've ever experienced in your life or ever will experience on this world. So... Work hard to stop getting stuck on the idea that I want things to be back this way because it was so great. And if that happens, I don't have to worry. Like, no, you do still have to worry. Like, even if it did, even if everything went back, even if everything you wanted to happen politically, culturally, in your own life, you, you, you had every, every hope and dream that you ever had professionally, personally come true. It still wouldn't matter. It wouldn't solve what you were missing. I, how many stories are there of, of, of millionaires, of, of billionaires, people who have great fame, who have accomplished amazing things, who are you know great physical feats, athletes, politicians, inventors, whoever you want, that are still searching. They still want more. They're, they're still miserable at various times in their life. They're just as susceptible to personal tragedy as anybody else. None of that stuff is going to solve the core issue. None of that is going to magically take away the anxiety that you have. (laughs) 
anxiety is, um, you know, I have in here, uh, gosh, talk, talk about just something that, that is a killer because that's where it comes down to, right? We're, we get so caught up in, and th- things aren't right. Things are, um, the, the la- you know, what is the opposite of, of peace? I, I think it, it's not war. I think actually, on a personal level, the opposite of peace is anxiety, is, is worry, right? You are stressed, you are anxious, you are worried. Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? <laughs> in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, three separate times, Jesus calls it out. It's like, don't do it. And it's not a suggestion. It's not a, you know, try to be a little less anxious. No, he just, if you are truly walking with him, it shouldn't be there. Again, we're we're all works in progress. I'm not saying that if you have anxiety, you are uh, not saved or anything like that. (laughs) I'm just saying that if that is not a process or something that you are working towards, you might want to check whether or not you are really working to trust God. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Matthew 6.31, Therefore do not be anxious. Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. It's pretty clear. Uh, Usually when the Bible repeats itself, when Jesus specifically repeats himself multiple times in the same message, we should pay attention. This isn't, again, a suggestion. This is a core issue of trusting God and following him. You don't have the power to control what happens tomorrow. You don't have the power to control what happens to you in the next minute. The circumstances that are beyond our control are, are honestly, if you start to really dig through uh, the, the truths of existence in the universe and, and all of the the elements in our life, the the air we breathe, the planet that, that we're on, the I mean, driving down the road, sit, sitting in your house. I mean, how many how many different things have the potential to come in and just wreck your existence that you have no control over? By the way, even things that if you knew full well and you were like a meticulous planner and you just you, you had every contingency laid out. You, you were somebody who just took took pride, and I'm somebody who who really likes to try to think ahead and, and plan and prepare. But there's also this reality of like, at a certain point, you can only do so much. Because we still live in this world where things are out of our control. There's some real peace that comes from accepting and understanding that you don't get control. That's not how it works. That's not part of the, uh, the arrangement. Stop trying to wrestle it. And instead, embrace the fact that you don't need to worry about it because of who God is. You don't have to not worry about it because nothing will happen. No, stuff's going to happen. It, it, that's Again, that's how it works down here in this life. But again, the perspective of who we are and where we're going changes everything. This is a... Uh, If you really know who God is, if you really know who Jesus is, and I'm pretty sure God doesn't suffer from anxiety. Uh, I don't think he's anxious. <laughs> if you have the position where uh, you spoke the universe into existence, you know everything, you have power for everything, uh, your perspective is perfect. 
I'm guessing there's not a lot of anxiety uh, in heaven. And here's the thing. Jesus calls us to have peace with him, peace of him. In John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, be troubled neither let them be afraid. He's the source of it. Only by being close to him and in him is it possible to have it. It's not something that we can do, not something that we can create, not something that we can um, give to others. The best we can do, and this is where Paul tells us to to let this this be, be known, to, to share with others, to be lights, because that's the best that we can possibly do, is to point others towards the source of peace. And it's not, it's not us, and again, it's, it's not a program, it's not a government, it, it, it's not a, a location, it's not a home or a thing or a set of life philosophies. Guys, the Bible is not, it is not a set of instructions for how to live well. It, it is not a, a series of stories meant to teach us lessons. Now, are there lessons in the Bible? Absolutely. Are there life philosophies that you can glean? Absolutely. But they all mean nothing if you forget or lose that ultimately this is a, 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 a book, a revelation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. His, his coming foretold why he had to come explained both before and after. That's, that's its purpose. Don't miss that in the search for, well, how do I deal with this little thing in my life? There's some good answers in here for that. And then there's some good advice for, for those things from, from other people also. But if you ever let that surplant the core foundational truth you will you will again be be chasing be chasing a wisp your whole life because when we get to verse 7 here the peace of god which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus i do want to stop here for a second and look at the phrasing here he says the peace of god this isn't peace with god there is um there are two different types here. Peace with God is because uh, that phrase is used in other parts of the Bible. That is referring to we have peace with God because we are covered, because the wrath of God is satisfied. We are covered by Jesus' sacrifice, and we have peace now with God. Who, if if we are not covered, if we have not accepted Jesus and and moved under His covering. We are not at peace with God. Oh, the Bible's very clear about that over and over again. You do not have peace with God unless you have accepted Jesus. That is the only way. Again, an unpopular opinion these days. There, no, no, there's a couple of different ways. You can, you know, this way or that way, you know, that, that might be your truth, but this is my truth. And you know what? As long as we all kind of get to relatively the same place, it's going to, no. Jesus repeatedly said, and it is reaffirmed multiple times throughout Scripture. He is the only way. 
to find peace with God. But after that, you'll find the peace of God. And that is what earlier, I'll read it again, in John, oh, I lost my place. Where is it? Where Jesus does say again that our peace is, is, is of him, that he, yes, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't, don't leave something that Jesus offers freely on the side by, by again, letting yourself be caught up in the small places of your life and leaving aside the big, the big truth again of, of Jesus. That, that peace is something that is, that is offered to us, that is, is given to us freely. And again, if it's not there, it's never because we, it's never because Jesus left us. It's never because God gave some distance. It's always because we've walked away. It's because we've created some distance. And whenever that happens, I used to always imagine figuratively Jesus is like, I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. It's, it's so amazing, guys, to, to think about and to, 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 to know and grow in this because it's not something that comes easily. It's not something that comes uh, readily. It's something that does take some work because it is so kind of our, our default setting, as I was talking about earlier, that when, when life brings us something that kicks us a little bit, that our reaction is to, to start getting, I mean, I, just this morning, <laughs> I'll tell a quick little story. Normally, I'm behind the camera. Normally, I'm up uh, dealing with audiovisual equipment. And um, to say the technology is fickle is an understatement. Things don't like to work. You come in, everything's plugged in exactly the same place. Well, it's the same place it was last week. All the settings are still there. It worked perfectly. You turn it all back on, and all of a sudden, it's like, nope. Yeah, church is starting in a half an hour, and things are not working. And you're just like, oh, my God, I don't need... You start to worry. You start to get anxious. You're like, are we even able to do service? I'm, I'm texting Pastor John like, I don't even know if we can broadcast this morning. And here I am. Obviously, it's fine. <laughs> it worked out. And even if it hadn't, there, there's other ways. The anxiety that naturally comes, it, it, it's there. I've been a Christian my entire life, but it's, it still creeps in. It, it's, you catch yourself going, I, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure this is going to be, this is going to be a problem. And I'm not sure how to, and, and you get yourself all wound up. And again, I'm not saying that kind of having moments where your your kind of senses go up and, and you have heightened responses and you're like, all right, let's problem solve, let's figure this out. But if you launch immediately into all that, and I caught myself this morning, it's like five minutes in, and I'm like, I just I need to stop, I need to breathe, I need to pray. And guess what? I did it this morning. And I was like, I'm just gonna try resetting this one more time. And if it doesn't, then here's a backup plan, and okay. Here we are. And it wasn't because I did anything. It, it, 
I hadn't plugged something and plugged something back in, but it was just a the idea that it's it's so normal to go there, guys. And and not that you should get hung up on some intense guilt every time you feel anxious, but that you should keep checking yourself in that stop. Remember. Remember that I shouldn't be thinking about this. I shouldn't be thinking this way about this. That this should be my heart attitude is getting way off track here. Stop. Pause. Re, you know, re- refocus your perspective on like, thank you, Jesus. This is about you. I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get snappy about this. Because that's the thing too. We we end up in these situations, and other people pay for it a little bit too. We, you know. Somebody needs something, and I'm in the middle of something, and I'm anxious about it. My, my my kids or wife needs something, and I'm just like, oh, and and you, and you end up lashing out at other people for no no reason at all. I and mean, the the ripple effects of these problems with our nature affect all of us. How much hurt has been caused in the world that somebody gets gets attacked for something that they didn't do anything to deserve, but just because the person who lashed out at them was caught up in something in, internal, and you can have understanding for that, and you can have grace for that. I mean, there's, again, guys, this is something where we're all works in progress. And I'm not trying to say that that the fact that we are all falling very, very short in this area should should lead us into a crippling guilt cycle where we just think that we're, we're, we're failures. But it should constantly bring us back to, I'm still a work in progress. Gosh, I need Jesus so much. The older we get, the more mature we get, the further along in our walk we get, the more that truth should become real to us, the more aware we become of how much we struggle with these things, how much we need that perspective and, and, and that heart and that peace of God in our lives, and we need to come back to it. That that's something that, that we become more aware of. And how much would that then affect other people around us? Because that's it's you know Paul's Paul's talking in the context of sharing with other people, letting other people be aware of this process because it will be one of the greatness witness tools that we have. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, Jen was just saying that this morning. Uh, there's that, that wonderful old hymn. You know it. Uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because when you are focused on Jesus, the things of the world, and one of the biggest things of the world is all of the the chaos, the stress, the disorder, the immorality, it will grow strangely dim. It, it, it will become less loud as Jesus becomes more and more the primary focus of our lives. And again, that is a process, guys. It is something that I am working on. It's something that if you don't think that you have more work to do in that area, then you need to very seriously look inside because we're all, we're all in process at different stages. That's, you know, something else too. When you see somebody who's struggling with this more than maybe you are, have grace for them. Have, have a have a spirit of of help and of and of gentleness with them, not a spirit of of condemnation or or judgment or, or looking down your nose at gosh, don't don't you know that Jesus has this taken care of? No. Help them, come beside them, encourage them. Because we all need help in this area. How different would everything be 
in the church and in the world if, if these truths were really given more energy and, and given, um, just put at the forefront of our thinking and of our, our walk. We need to constantly and consistently bring these truths into the forefront. And I'm, I'm going to close with just, with just these, these questions, guys. Answer these in your own hearts and in your own minds that you, how are you doing in this area? How are you doing this year? Looking back at, at, at this year, and again, I know that there, there are people that I've been talking to this year, and they're anxious. Uh, they're anxious about their jobs. They're anxious about their health. They're anxious about a loved one's health. They're really anxious about the future of this country, and I, I completely understand that. They're they're very anxious about the the future of, of our church. I mean, I'm I'm here and I'm preaching to an empty room. I, I know that you're there online, and I, I I miss you guys so much. But it is anxious. Like, okay, what's going on? When is this going to get back? Like, what's what's next? Are we ever gonna are are things ever going to be the way that I wish they were? How are we, and how well are we, constantly coming back to the big truth of Jesus, of eternity, of proper perspective, and of rejoicing always, finding peace, and sharing that peace with others? How are we doing? I can say pretty unequivocally that we all need to be doing better myself included. So I just, I, I hope this is encouraging and I hope this is something that we can all take to heart and take to, um, to other people with the spirit of, of, again, grace and encouragement as we close out a rough year and we don't know what the next one's bringing. So just be encouraged, guys, and please, please don't lose sight of the grand foundational truth that Jesus loves you, that Jesus saved you, and he is in control of this, not us. And there's no promise about how it's going to look, but there is a promise about who's going to still be there, and that is our Savior. Jesus, we just, we thank you so much for that. We thank you so much for the reality of you and your presence in our life, in our hearts.